I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to the A to Z of festivals with Rob DeBank, your genial host. And yeah, we're back uh, this week and it's me uh, guesting on this week because traditionally uh, early September is kind of festival time. Uh, we're having a fallow year this year. Nick, that idea off uh, Michael and Emily Evis. So thank you, Michael and Emily. And um, yeah, festival's having a bit of a bit of a year off and uh, we'll see what comes back and when. But, um, but yeah, I was sort of... Definitely feeling a bit nostalgic um, on the on the weekend uh, at the weekend about festival and thinking back. And I, I don't tend to get nostalgic. I'm very much a forward-thinking young chap who um, only ever really focuses on the future. But uh, but yeah, I was sort of not in a sad way at all, but in a really um, positive, lovely way. Just thinking about all the amazing um, uh, acts that we had there and. T- times too so um i'm gonna do my 10 favorite acts from festivals past present and future kick off with the Beastie Boys so I mean I'm starting off uh, randomly I've just basically been through um, my brain and my memory and a little bit of Wikipedia too just to refresh my memory because I booked so many um, you know amazing bands I don't mean that bigging myself up but there were just so many incredible acts that that um that have um, played best of all so I just wanted to kind of reflect on some of those and um, yeah in a very random uh, non-chronological order so 2007 so we were three years into best of all Um, I think it got up to about 30,000 people and um, yeah we had the Chemical Brothers we had Primal Scream we had Madness uh, the Levelers the Orb 
gossip um, with Beth Ditto just when they were kind of really smashing it, like standing, standing in the way of control was like a massive hit. Uh, we had the Maccabees who were like literally, you know, the indie band of the moment. Uh, a young chap called Calvin Harris from Scotland. I remember watching him in the big top, um, cranking out tracks like Acceptable in the 80s. If you're sort of maybe 25 and under, then you'll know a different Calvin Harris than, than I know, because Calvin Harris used to be a lot different. And, um, yeah, he's still making making great um, great pop records, great records, full stop. Um, but, yeah, that was this was sort of just when he was kind of honing his craft. But the act that I'm sort of choosing from that year um, is the Beastie Boys. Um, so... I had been chasing them for three years. It was one of those acts that I really, really wanted to get. You know, I grew up listening to the Beasties, um, Fight for Your Right and No Sleep Till Brooklyn and, you know, um, nicking VW badges off the off the VW garage that was around the corner in our village and putting them around our neck on stupid chains and wearing daft, ill-fitting tracksuits and kind of pretending we were the, we were the Beastie Boys when we were 15 or 16. So... Um, yeah, to have them agree to do our show was just absolutely beyond our wildest dreams. And then they also agreed not only to do the show, but they wanted to do two shows. So they did a greatest hit show. So imagine that, Beastie Boys' greatest hits for 90 minutes, for two hours, whatever it was. And then on the next day, <coughs> I think it was in this order on the Sunday, they did an instrumental um, an instrumental show which they said was instrumental but actually turned out to be pretty much um, you know the greatest hits again or, or a load of new different greatest hits that they hadn't done the night before and um, yeah with with, with um, DJ Money Mark and um, yeah it was just oh, it was just absolutely bonkers um, and the Beasties you know the, the nice thing they, they did an incredible show two, two incredible shows so, sorry but the, the, the best thing was that when they turned up on site we gave them some hand-knitted best of all cardigans that we used to make um, every year so they put, put those on straight away you know they didn't stick them in the in the van or something they they nicked our golf buggy off us and went driving around the site you know high-fiving everyone and um yeah, just generally really getting stuck into the show, you know, they totally embraced it, spent the whole weekend there. Their, their rider was was um, kind of local chutneys, local jams and, you know, hummus or something like that. It was really healthy, really nice, and, they, you know, they wanted stuff from, from the locality, from the Isle of Wight. So, it was yeah, it was great that they just sort of embraced the whole Isle of Wight experience, loved coming over on the ferry. So, there you go, Beastie Boys playing to 30,000 people, 2007. This is Rob DeBank's A to Z of Festivals. Subscribe now and please remember to rate. So in at number two, in no particular order from my 10 favourite acts from Festival, and this is pretty selfish because it's just me, but I did book kind of 99% of the, the acts for Festival. So, um, you know... Yeah, I'm going to do it, god damn it. Um, I don't care what anyone else says. No, I do, and I hope you're... Hopefully, you know, if you did come to Bestival or you're thinking of coming to Bestival in the future, then maybe you'll be like, oh, well, that wouldn't be who I'd have chosen. So, um, yeah, so 2004, our first Bestival, um, me and Josie, our friends John and Ziggy, um, you know, we came up with this crazy concept of doing our own festival there weren't many festivals around at the time. Um, You know, there really really weren't. You know, there were probably like... 
10 or 20 festivals as opposed to like seven or 800. So it, it seemed like um, not, not totally insane to kind of go into that market. Uh, we had no no long-term plan beyond kind of getting year one out of the way. We thought it was maybe even going to be like a 24-hour kind of just a rave, you know, for 24 hours and, and you know, with a sort of bit of a festival feeling to it. And then, then it sort of quickly morphed into, you know, the, the fact we were going to do it for three days. We found this great site on the Isle of Wight, Robin Hill, and, you know, I was DJing on Radio 1 at the time. I was very, you know, sort of very involved in that whole network of, of acts and DJs and managers and agents that I sort of still am. And, and, I, and, I, and I sort of just managed to pull in some favours and some very nice agents lent us some lovely acts for the, for the weekend with a, with a sort of financial transaction that took place as well, obviously. Um, so, yeah, the first year we, we had um, Fatboy Slim was there, Milo, who was, like, you know, the hottest guy out there, uh, Lee Scratch Perry, the veteran um, Jamaican dub producer, Zero Seven, um, the Bees, who were from the Isle of Wight and were absolutely smashing it, you know, with this great new alternative kind of indie folk funk um, happy band from the Isle of Wight, the Bees, so that you know they were there as well. But the, the act I remember really kind of taking the roof off because they were mates of mine. I lived in London with them, didn't live, live in London with them, sorry, but I lived in London and they lived in London and we used to do clubs together and stuff. It was Basement Jack. So in 2004, Basement Jack, Saturday night headliner, I think, I think they were Saturday night, could have been Sunday. And I just remember walking onto the stage during Basement Jax's show and just thinking, this is, I have made it, you know. If I die now, um, I don't need to achieve anything else in my life. And it was, you know, it's probably 4,000 people there, maybe 5,000 with all the artists and stuff, but it just seemed like, you know, 50,000 to me and it just looked incredible and it was, you know, one of the proudest moments of our of our sort of lives. Um, all of us just looking out and thinking, wow, what have we created? And, you know, we didn't realise that festival was going to become such a big big festival and have such sort of impact so it was, it was you know it was early days and people were in their fancy dress because it was you know the first year we'd obviously done that and people had really embraced that we thought 10 people might turn up in fancy dress you know 90 percent of people all got dressed up and that kind of kicked off the whole dressing up at festivals theming at festivals um and it was just a yeah it was a glorious experience so yeah, shout out to Felix and Simon from Basement Jacks who still come to our festivals now and we love them. Number three in my 10 favourite acts from Best of All with me, Rob DeBank, on the A to Z of festivals is Amy Winehouse. Um, so this is a bit of a bittersweet one. I have to say, you know, after watching the the Amy Winehouse documentary, um, you know, she, she played in 2008, um, which was kind of when she was having a rough time, I think it's fair to say, you know, a, a very rough time. And she was not at her finest, you know. Um, I, you know, and I, I, I did think twice about including including Amy, but, I, you know, I think it's important because it was, you know, it was a, it was a massive deal for us to have her at Best of All. Um, you know, she was being talked about a lot in in all manner of ways and you know we loved Amy and we still do you know her her music is is part of the best of all and camp best of all kind of you know palette is what we you know we play that we I still play that in a lot of my DJ sets and you know she she was um she was late for the show I was DJing before I was 
you know it's 2008 so I'm sure CDJs had been invented or you know people played off CDs then but you know it's way before any mad DJ technology so I was actually playing off vinyl decks I was playing in the front of house tower it was raining I think it was a pretty muddy weekend um, 2008 and think again it was Saturday night you have to forgive me and please don't all sit there staring at your device and saying what how can you not even remember I'm, I've got a terrible memory and I and I haven't fact-checked all this stuff so yeah it might have it might be our festival but I haven't fact-checked it all so forgive me if I'm wrong but I do I, I mean I remember my bloody Valentine played on the Friday night and I remember trudging through the rain and mud to go and see how they were doing because I love my bloody Valentine and they They'd, they'd kind of insisted that they had no decibel limit and that they'd be going up to 120 dB, which is really, really quite loud for a festival crowd. And, um, and uh, yeah, I just remember this absolute wall of amazing shoegaze noise just sort of barreling down the valley in, in Robin Hill. And I saw about half a song because I was having to shove um you know straw barrels under toilets to stop them falling over in the mud and stuff like that so it, it was it was like not my finest booking in terms of actually being able to see any of them but i did i did manage to catch um yeah about half a song and then uh, trudged back to to my uh to my mud duties but but yeah amy the, yeah i think was the next night and um yeah she was late she did look a bit bedraggled and not quite with it um my mate keith had to come to to go with the driver to go and pick her up from her hotel she was really late getting in the car um and yeah i mean there's other stuff that i probably won't even talk about because i just think there's some element of um you know privacy involved here but not, not nothing nothing sinister but i you know it was amy came she played and people i think kind of enjoyed it but it was you know it was it was a it was an odd time and an odd um an odd sort of experience but you know it's really stuck with me and i yeah i've lived in love amy winehouse uh you know also that year it was underworld apex twin played um will young sam sparrow uh, the breeders george clinton gary newman um i think we had two surprise acts grace jones and the specials which is pretty flipping awesome isn't it to have um those two as special guests um so yeah grace was sort of walking up and down her big kind of step um step sort of uh, steps on the stage. She had these big steps made. She had this huge fan blowing this mad gown over her head. She just looked absolutely incredible, and it didn't matter that it was it was raining. Uh, the specials hadn't played live for a, a long time, I don't think, and I think maybe they'd reformed. And this was their sort of comeback show, and no one knew who was coming on stage. And I, I love that. I mean, we did Bombay Bicycle Club at Camp Bestall this year, and it's just so nice to have something that just people coming on stage and they, they don't quite know, you know, what what it's going to be and yeah the specials and grace jones were that was awesome and uh dan sack versus scroobius pip who were part of the family as well so um yeah 2008 there you go right 2015 let's fast forward seven years a lot has happened in this time people um and yeah i mean we're up to i don't know 45 50,000 people here maybe it's the summer of love is the theme um i think it was a sunny year i think it was i, I don't remember any any um mud at this one uh but yeah missy elliott 2015 i mean missy elliott well you know what else do you want me to say it was like how the hell did we manage to bag missy elliott uh i mean i've tried 
more recently for 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 other shows and I know how much she is now and I think it was a golden time because we got a you know I know that was only three or four years ago but um yeah she she you know she was not the most ridiculously expensive act she was absolutely charming as anything we've met her afterwards we we you know me and Josie don't hang around the backstage going oh yeah let's meet all the headliners but on this occasion you know the guys were like look you've got to go and meet Missy Elliott you've just booked her she's just absolutely smashed it and she was so good you know such a tight show some hip hop shows um, you know can be a bit um, messy can be a bit sort of stop start a bit shouty you know the sound isn't always great you've got a DJ doing mad rewinds and stuff and it all gets a bit sort of chopped up and I'll be coming on to one of those acts in a minute but um, but yeah this this was very much not like that it was so slick incredible dancing uh, I just posted a little thing on my socials that was showing me coming up on the platform so she had like a little hidden platform she came out from under the stage on this platform and popped up so yeah absolutely absolutely amazing um definitely one of my top 10 ever acts and uh yeah missy Elliott, we love you also that year uh duran duran were, who were just flying uh chemical brothers uh, underworld tame impala they were awesome uh the jacksons who were just yeah brilliant and had a great um you know, great tribute in there. Uh, Jungle, I remember watching Jungle and Jurassic 5. I think they were playing one after the other on the main stage. And, yeah, Jungle would had just kind of come out either the, that year or the year before and would, you know, just all, all their all their hits, uh, busy, busy earning and stuff. So, yeah, great show from them. Jurassic 5, hip-hop royalty. Again, you know, they know how to put on a live hip-hop show. Um, no messing around. Uh, Rudimental, they were definitely, you know, on a high and they were, you know, having acts like Rudimental. Flying Lotus was there, Skrillex. Um, Skrillex, it just tore the tour HMS Festival apart totally amazing and the Chuckle Brothers of course not forgetting the Chuckles so from Missy to the Chuckle Brothers that was 2015 um, cracking on it's um, yes a number five one two three four five another hip hop act um so this was the year before, actually. The theme was Desert Island Disco, which we obviously wanted it to be nice and hot and sunny. Um, I think it was, but again, I just couldn't tell you. Uh, Outcast. I mean, you know, flipping heck, Outcast. They were just off the scale. They were so hyped up. They were just running around the stage, getting everyone going. The sound was incredible. The light show band it was all just so tight and they just kept you know I mean I'm not an outcast completist but it was like you knew every track well you seemed to know every track everyone was just singing along in the crowd it was the kind of before people really started filming stuff on their phones it was just like everyone was just this mad party atmosphere and just totally amazing um so outcast yeah my number five uh not forgetting Foles, uh, this is part of the same one, sorry, Foles, who was the Saturday night headliner that year. It was, um, you know, people always said, oh, you know, festival promoters need to be braver, they need to book up-and-coming bands. Foles had been around for a few years, but they were sort of probably maybe not, you know, they wouldn't have been big enough to headline Reading or 
something like that. But you know, at best of all, it was like, yeah, let's 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 take a chance and you know see what they can do. And and they totally killed it. You know, absolutely amazing um, headliner. Uh, Sheik did the Sunday. We did the world's biggest disco ball with with Nar Rogers. Um, he he kind of well, we pretended actually that he challenged us to make the world's biggest disco ball. We actually had, we were already making it, and we just thought it was a nice little tie-in. So at the end of his set, then he had to come back off the main stage, and I was being it was being filmed and beamed onto the big st- um, screens by the side of the stage. It was like I don't know forty thousand people watching Sheik, and then he was me and Nile had to talk to the guy in a suit from Guinness. World Records, Guinness Book of Records, who stood there with his clipboard and his bow tie, saying, "Wow, wow, well, you know, the previous record was 9.98 meters, and I can officially confirm that you have beaten it with 10.33 meters." And we had the Mirable hanging off a crane, spinning um, in the air with people kind of on guide ropes, spinning it, and it just looked so cool. And I was stood there with my arm around Mark Rogers, just like this can't be beaten. Uh, also that year, London Grammar, Sam Smith was. Um, you know, he was just coming through. It was probably one of the first times that he played all his big, big kind of hits at that time. Candy Staten, Wild Beast, Clean Bandit, LaRue, Bonobo and the Mosh Pit prize went to Skindred, who played on the main stage on Saturday. And uh, yeah, great, great band. So there you go. That was number five. Let's go to number six. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Rob DeBank's A to Z of Festivals. Subscribe now and please remember to rate. So, numero six, as they say, nowhere. Um, one, two, hold on, sorry, let me just count this up. I don't want to get this wrong. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, so. Let's go back in time to our four, five, six. So this was the third year, and um, you know, best all started with four, five thousand people. Then it kind of sprung up to like I don't know. I want to say like 
eight or ten, and then it went to like twelve or possibly fourteen. So it, it, it had, you know, it suddenly was like almost doubling—not doubling, but you know, fifty percent more people coming each year. And you know, it was—it was a great wave to be on. You know, it was just like, my God, look how many tickets we've sold. So I think probably at this one there were between thirteen, fifteen thousand people. Um, you know, which maybe you know, I know there's a lot of festivals that are bigger than that, but it was—it just felt huge to us. So, uh, another lovely year for music. We had Devendra Banhart, one of my favourite ever um, artists of the 20th century. Uh, Lily Allen, who um, you know was just still like a very young pop star. I remember she came over, and our son Arlo had been just been born, and she gave Arlo a kiss, and I keep wind, still wind him up. Now he's a moody 13-year-old that he was uh, got kissed by Lily Allen once. Um, Amadou and Mariam, the, the blind um, the blind duo from Bamako, um, just incredible African musicians. Uh, you know, just so many great moments. Pet Shop Boys, Goggle Bordello, who, yeah, just completely, um, completely amazing. And this is not one of my favourite ever bands, by the way, just so you, you're aware, but Scissor Sisters headlined. Um, they were sort of right at the peak of their sort of pop um, stardom. Um, you know, they were literally everywhere. You know, Scissor Sisters is just a household name. Again, if you're younger and you don't know them, you know, just have a little Google. They just made very infectious, slightly gay, kind of beautiful pop music that was just, you know, really, really inclusive and just fun. And and so the, the, the reason I, they're one of my favourite ever headliners are, are because... Um, well, not only did Jake get married in the inflatable church to his partner, which was a, a sight, and just I think we had it on a TV, a local TV show, and it was just brilliant. In walking down the aisle of the inflatable church, I mean, you know, just imagine an inflatable church in a field of Jake shears from the Scissor Sisters walking down the aisle, and all these people off their nuts, um, throwing confetti and rice all over them, um, and then. Um, yeah, but the theme was well. What, what we first did was is we came up with the theme of the circus, and people, so many people got in touch with us and said they suffered from coulrophobia, which is the fear of clowns. Which is I found out at that point the kind of third biggest phobia after arachnophobia and something else phobia. Um, but it's yeah, a lot of people are really scared of clowns. I don't get it myself. I love clowns, really grotesque, scary clowns with big red noses, scary eyes. Um, but yeah, so the uh, Scissor Sisters um, sort of saw that we'd. I think we changed the theme then slightly because we got so much um, sort of backlash. So we changed it slightly. But the Scissor Sisters, I didn't even know this was happening, but they'd seen all this happening, and it was in, kind of in the press, and people were talking about it. And so when they finally came on stage, um, it's either Saturday or Sunday night, they came on with like four or five giant, giant, like 12 foot high clown puppets with huge heads, like three foot round um, heads and all really amazingly made these people on stilts. I might be over imagining it, but I, I mean, that did happen, but it might not have been quite as big as that. But, it, you know, so it's just like a total kind of jokey kind of uh, up yours to everyone that was scared of clowns and it just got such a great reaction and then they just went on and totally slayed it with you know really infectious upbeat kind of um, show animatronic and, um, and Jake Shears just kind of leading everyone in this beautiful kind of uh, beautiful headline moment so yeah that was the Scissor Sisters 2006 um, right 
Elton John, 2013. We can't do this and not include Elton. I mean, we had a good lineup that year. We had Fatboy Slim, we had Snoop Dogg, we had M.I.A., we had Franz Ferdinand, we had The Knife, Wu-Tang Clan. And when I was talking about um, kind of chaotic hip-hop shows, then Wu-Tang wrote the book on chaotic hip-hop shows. Um, even to get them on the plane was a flipping nightmare, and not all of them made it. More of them made it than I thought were going to make it. I think we had about five, five members maybe, but... I, um, I, I don't even want to start naming them because I know at least one of them was dead and one of them didn't make the flight. Um, they actually were quite good in the end. They were pretty good. And it was just, you know, Wu-Tang is so legendary that even to have a three-quarters of the Wu-Tang was a good clan party. Uh, Bombay Bicycle Club, Bastille, uh, The Roots, Disclosure, who were just kind of really... Um, coming into their own, Richie Horton, Carl Cox, and While She Sleeps. So there you go, just to show the uh, breadth of that one. But Elton, yeah, I remember Saturday afternoon, um, you know, I'd, well, firstly, I'd been chasing him again, you know, for quite a few years, trying to, trying to, um, you know, lure him in, going through his lovely agent, big up to yourselves, um, to you guys, thank you for booking him. And, um, yeah, it happened, and it, again, it wasn't some, you know, ridiculous sum that was going to bankrupt us. It wasn't like a, a rider request that was just beyond beyond a joke. Um, I remember he wanted, obviously, his own compound, so he had this huge did have this big compound with, with um, wardrobes kind of coming out of your ears, you know, there's just outfits everywhere. And um, again, I didn't, I wasn't hanging around trying to meet him, but this, this sleek black helicopter flew over the site at about, you know, three o'clock on, on the Saturday afternoon and, and started circling. And I just, I was walking through the site with Josie and I just pointed up, I said, that is Elton. I didn't even know he was coming by helicopter, I don't think. And you could just tell and, and the crowd started all looking up at the sky and just sort of thinking, yeah, that was Elton. So, so yeah, he, he arrived in style. Um, I was sort of um, doing something backstage. I think I was dealing with a Tom Adele issue or something and me and Tom Adele were backstage and, uh, and I just someone came up and said oh Elton wants to meet you so <laughs> it's like Elton oh, John wants to meet you you know and, and in the moment you're just too sort of wrapped up and too kind of busy to even think twice about that so you're, yeah, yeah yeah okay let's do that come on let's get that out of the way tick that box so um, I went in just me and him sat in his porter cabin he was in a black adidas track suit super chilled lovely inviting just really warm-hearted um you know had a cup of tea with him all the time in the world just no no sort of um superstar um kind of uh, ego at all um and then he, he had a nice chat with tom adele said what a huge fan he was of him and then you know and then we kind of um went on our merry way and I saw him obviously later on the stage and it was just such a beautiful show he'd made his own jacket uh, I think it said you know it said something on the back like best of all or, or, it was, or it was the theme it was like a really beautiful glitzy jacket he sat there at the piano just you know knocking out hit after hit slow fast everything in between and um, yeah it was just absolutely incredible moment um, Elton John and then, and then I, I mean I think maybe people who follow me on social media have seen this but I've, I've written a few um, posted this once actually just that he you know about a week after Bestival in fact before the week was even up I got, I got a handwritten letter to my home and couldn't really read the writing it was absolutely beautiful kind of calli calligraphic or ca like calligraphy sort of uh, writing and it, and it said dear Rob and it blah 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 um, and it, I thought it was from an old some guy that I'd 
booked on the bandstand or something, you know, who I'd given a second chance because it was such a grateful letter and the, the tone was kind of like, thank you so much. It was the most incredible experience for us and the band, one of my favourite ever shows ever. Um, you know, well done to you and Josie for everything you've achieved, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, oh, I don't know who this is from. And then I realised it said Elton at the bottom and so it was just, yeah, to have an artist write a handwritten letter, uh, I don't think that's ever happened to me before and, no, you know, no one ever says thank you to me so it was it was a lovely lovely moment and um yeah big up yourself elton come back one day one two three four five six seven that is number seven we need to crack on the back um so yeah from elton john in 2013 let's go back in time to roiksop um in 2005 so this was the second year of festival and we just sort of like I said earlier, we'd sort of sprung up from four or five thousand to maybe almost doubling that. Um, and we had the magic numbers there who were sort of riding high in the charts, who just beautiful sunshine pop indie. Uh, too many DJs brought there, too many DJs and soul wax shows that so they played live and then they DJed and they were like the hottest DJs in the in the world, you know, just cutting up all their bootlegs mash and mashups. It was just that that sort of Errol Olken type um style of just you know it was such an exciting time for for djs and too many djs just owned it uh super furry animals um so yeah it was you know our second year in we we kind of didn't still didn't entirely know what we were doing but we knew a lot more than we had done the first year that running the security ourselves we were stopping people rolling burning toilet rolls into the woods we were carrying bags of sort of cash around trying to restock the bars bar floats we were josie and her mate t were kind of driving around with these large bags of cash trying to yeah, replenish everywhere they were they were and, and then you know and then they were going back the other way with like pre-made margarita mix from their bar in london where they kind of made enough margarita for probably about 30 people and there were like five thousand people in a queue waiting for a margarita so it was just it was just bedlam but the second year in definitely we were in a better place uh roy Sop, i'd i'd I was a music journalist at the time as well as being a DJ and I'd spent a lot of time DJing in Norway and writing pieces on the on the Norway scene, all the amazing uh, people coming out of Norway. So Roiksop were the, the biggest one of those. They were on Wall of Sound. They were like the alternative band and act to love at the time and and they you know they were just so good playing hits like at play and stuff it was it was you know not the biggest band in the world and not the you know but they they made such a huge difference to the electronic scene at the time and and yeah still one of my favorite um best of all headliners <laughs> This is Rob DeBank's A to Z of Festivals. Subscribe now and please remember to rate. Okay, so uh, let's do the final two. And as I said, you know, at the beginning, this isn't in any any order, so it's not like we're ending with the best or these are the worst at all. I mean, God, Prodigy 2010, how can that be the worst? I mean, God, those guys, you know, R.I.P. Keith Flint, what a, what a legend, what an absolute legend. No, he didn't write the songs and, yeah, he, you know, he had he had turmoil, but, you know, when he came out on that stage, he just completely smashed it um such energy you know they they were all really hyped to be there we tried for a few years to get them there um and it was just you know 50,000 people it was a big year for us it was like you know I'd book I would have booked the Prodigy every year if I could have done because they're just you know the one of the festival bands of all time you know there's there's just very few acts that you know, live in that festival zone. You know, there's some acts that just fall fall a bit flat in a festival, but 
you know they they were built for built for festivals so um yeah huge huge uh, props to to the proj um big year you know on 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 other stages and and all well all around actually i mean flaming lips um you know wayne coin he got in his in his uh ball a giant hamster ball if you've never seen the flaming lips or seen wayne coin do this maybe google it um but you know he, he was basically rolling around the rolling around the field probably over about 30 30,000 people in this sort of hamster ball just in his suit you know just with his mad hair and just you know being completely psychedelic and a lot of our crew got dressed up in in the in the costumes that you can go on on the stage with them again google it young people because it will make more sense uh, dizzy played that year dizzy rascal gil scott heron sadly r.i.p gil uh, who um yeah, passed away not long after but he he was he was incredible uh roxy music uh god yeah i mean you know i love roxy music so much and brian ferry just brought this whole level of pizzazz and sort of sophistication that we probably have never had since at, at festival and it was just incredible uh mark olmond uh from soft cell uh, just an incredible performer uh, the xx played that year um don't think they were headlining i think was that the year no i can't remember I'm thinking it, they were playing before Florence on the main stage, but that might have been a different year. Anyway, they they were obviously just supreme. Uh, Howard Jones, 80s God, Chasing Status, um, you know, the list goes on. But yeah, it, it was the Prodigies year. They, they, they owned it, 2010. Okay, and last but not least, Mr. Stevie Wonder. You know, I mean, through all the best tools that I've done and hopefully will do, then it's, you know... Stevie, how can you? You can't get any higher than that, can you? I mean, that is like godlike status. Him and Elton, you know, bosh, job done. Uh, 2012, uh, big year again. Florence the Machine, New Order, Sigur Ross, the XX. Oh, there you go. So the XX, this is the year that the XX were on before Florence and nearly, I have to say, sort of blew her off the stage, but they didn't. Florence was incredible that year as well, but the XX was so good that it was very hard to. Um, to beat them um, Tudor Cinema Club Warpaint De La Soul Adamant who was just fantastic First Aid Kit Gallows Incredible Circle Pit for Gallows uh, that's what I, I liked putting on a, a really good thrash band on Saturday afternoons to get a good old Circle Pit going um, MF Doom with his metal mask if you're a fan of underground hip hop you'll know MF Doom <coughs> Major Laser there with Diplo they played quite a few times and um always owned it I remember when uh, Diplo told everyone to take their shirts off this year that year and wave them above their heads and run from one side of the field to the other it was just one of the best moments but but not as good as Stevie Wonder who um, yeah yeah I mean a little bit of um, planning to get that one done but again you know no 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 massive egos just lovely crew to deal with um, you know great manager and you know just you know chilled out very professional crew stevie brought his his daughter out i think it was as as a sort of special guest singer um but they had us really um one thing i, I do remember is is that they were in london during the day they woke up in london and they they phoned up in the morning and they were like okay we're going to come down for sound check and then we're going to go back to london and then we're going to come back in the evening and it's like um hold on guys like even even me now after 10 years of living on the Isle of Wight it takes me a minimum of three hours door to door to get from my house to 
to London. So that's a kind of six hour round trip if I went up and back in the same <laughs> without even doing a sound check. So, so, you know, Stevie Wonder's team were like, yeah, we're going to do it twice in a day and still be back for 9 pm or whenever they had to get on stage. So, this kind of got us totally freaked out. And I, I can't remember what happened in the end, but I think maybe we talked them out of it and they just came down. They arrived by a car. I remember people were posting photos of sitting next to Stevie Wonder on the ferry. You know, he, he was like absolutely loving it, just coming over to the Isle of Wight. You know, what, what an adventure. Um, and yeah, you know, he just went through his whole songbook and, you know, decades of incredible soul and disco and funk and healing music for everyone. And it was just, yeah, a lovely, a lovely moment. So that's uh, Stevie Wonder 2012. Um, and yeah, that kind of wraps up my 10 favourite acts. Ten, or, yeah, not all headliners actually, but just, yeah, 10 favourite acts from, from Best All Over the Years. And let's see who we, uh, who we can um, drum up next. But yeah, thank you for uh, listening to the podcast. Uh, back next week, we're going to try and keep this one going through, through the autumn and winter, but we'll see how we get on. Um, I think there's so many festival acts, so many festival um, sort of icons to, to talk to. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep going until we run out of them. But yeah, thank you very much for listening. And uh, yeah, tell your mates to subscribe to it and uh, see you next week. This is Rob DeBank's A to Z of Festivals. Subscribe now and please remember to rate. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.